Welcome to Forge by Fire. My name is Ryan Stevens. I'm here with my buddy, Rob Hefley, fellow veteran, mentor, and just a good dude. Man, first episode of 2019. Rob, what is up, man? Tell me, tell me what the word is. Well, at first, I need to apologize because I've been uh, a little bit, a little traveling, so it's been really hard to connect. I know you've been about 10 places. I've been about 10 places. I've been some different continents, different states, and uh, I felt like, you know, some of the guys like, hey, when are you guys going to release a, release a new episode? And I was like, I was like, when Ryan's home, and it's like, <laughs> Ryan's like, when Rob's home, so. Dude, man, I've, we have been all over the place. You know, what's really cool is there have been so many people stopping and asking Hey, dude, I listened to the podcast. Uh, man, I love it. I've been sharing it with a couple of my buddies, and what a blessing, you know? Uh, I told you about that police officer. Came up, and he said, uh, he just looked me straight in the face. It was kind of awkward. He looked me in the face, and he was like, welcome to the dojo. And I was like, get out of here. He's like, yeah, man, I've listened to all your podcasts. He said the best one um, was the blame game. Yep, I think every man probably... Until they start taking ownership of life and blames, I still watch. I have to really have to apologize to my wife probably more than I want to admit to because I still blame her for stuff. I'm like, hey, why'd you do that? It's really something I did. Still, still struggling dude, with that. I, dude, I do too. You know, I kind of got chalked by the boss. I don't know. Last month he came up and he was like, he, he approached me about something. First thing I wanted to do was blame the circumstance. And then I was like, nah, yeah, that's my fault. I'll take ownership. But it's been really cool uh, having people come up. You know, we started this as a project just to, you know, help folks out and kind of voice our opinions, you know, and uh, share the word. And it's just been crazy to have people come up. Some people I don't even know come and talk about the podcast. Yeah, and we kind of, we celebrated our two-year friend anniversary. We've been friends for two years. We met at a Man Alive expedition two years ago. I was sitting around a table with Ryan. He was telling lies. That I probably was. No, actually, I was thinking I was telling lies and trying to, you know, pose in a little bit, acting like who I was. And that's it. We we were like lie sword fighting. Yeah, we were dueling with lies. He was the coolest one. Yeah, and Ron was definitely there was a killer. There was a, a little bit of one up upmanship there for sure. Yeah, and Adam said it was like three times our size in the next year. So yeah, we got to get him on the podcast, man. He is such a good dude, and have some of the listeners get to know him. Man, he is a beast of a man with a heart of gold. Sure. I mean, I'm excited to hear his story. He's got a really cool story, too, um, just even by his parents. I'm excited to share that with everybody. Man, so, and just when we get started, what? tell me your grid coordinates. Where are you at right now? Man, I I think I'm doing really good. Uh, me and the wife are doing really good. Uh, my son's playing baseball, and he is just, man, he's in love with baseball. Um, I told him, I said, buddy, I don't care if you win. I just want to see you happy. I just want to see you putting in the work. And uh, what's really cool, kind of a quick story, is uh, one of the coaches said, hey, he's just not doing as good as the other boys. And it was a really cool lesson. He came back. He was kind of discouraged. I said, Logan, if the coach says you're not good enough, guess what you got to do, buddy? You got to put in the work. And so what he started to do was, he, uh, man, he started practicing. He's like, Dad, I want to throw the ball every day. And so he practiced, practiced, and, and it's, I've watched him grow, and now he's just – Dude, he's going hard in the paint, and it's really awesome to see. Uh, my daughter, man, just a little, she's my little princess. And so life's going pretty good, man. I've been real busy. What about your grid coordinates, man? Tell me where you are mentally, physically. Um, mentally, uh, still a little delayed. I was gone for like 14 days. 
I'm feeling better today, though. Got back, uh, I got back Monday, you know, this week, and uh, then, you know, physically horrible. Um, <laughs> what you been up to? Man, uh, I, was in, when I was in North Carolina. I, work, I worked out one day out of seven. Um, Get some. That's horrible. Um, but mentally, then I was in Colorado, and uh, I would take like 10 steps and pray. Um, I was in Buena Vista, Buena Vista, Buenies, as most people call it there locally. And it was like, I think 96. 100 feet, something like that. Man, I remember walking, I walked up like three flights of stairs. I'm like, Jesus, I need some, I need some oxygen. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> and uh, just like that, my cardio is horrible. And just so you know, like definitely physically not in a good place and just uh, kind of just getting settled back, man, how structure. I, I crave, uh, I crave having like routine now and I used to not be that way. So um, definitely excited, just kind of getting settled back. And actually my wife got home last night late and, um, all four of us in the same roof for the first time, like in like 18 days or something. Dang, was that hard to get back in or were you guys like on cloud nine? Man, you know, she's just happy to see me. Um, I'm just joking. I was really happy to see her. <laughs> I was like, Lord, I can't take Lies. care of kids by myself. I was like, I need some help. I need support. Uh, but no, I just, uh, that, man, our marriage is in such a good place and, you know, through tons of counseling, tons of just like a lot of hard work, a lot of hard conversations and and I uh, feel really good about where we're at and where we're going and just, uh, just you know, good. I mean, our marriage is great, man. Just uh, those things and businesses are good. And just all the little things, you know, friendships, man. Just the last couple months have been done some really cool stuff. And I was going to, you know, talk a little bit about that. I went to Israel in February. I want to hear about that. I also want to hear about your trips you went on, man. Um you know, Israel, um, really cool thing about that. Just went with a bunch of pastors from New Life Church, and I was kind of really scared about that because I was like, I can't cuss for like two weeks out yeah. loud, maybe internally. They were like, Rob, uh, we're in the Sea of Galilee. Put the flask away. <laughs> yeah, but the, it was really cool, man. Like the pastors at New Life, I knew a couple of them because I've been in Peru uh, with a, a few of them. But, man, the ones I didn't know I got to know and just uh, – really humbled because they served very well because you were somebody 12 hours a day for 12 days you kind of know how they are you know you start to get to know them especially when their wives are with them so i mean i have a huge huge man a huge thing to say about how awesome uh just they all are you know an awesome pastor darren you just watch him lead those people and got to meet some other cool peoples on the trip but they what, were, really, what were you doing so you went there just on like a i'm gonna visit israel trip or was it a mission trip it was a, just a visit um to see all the like a lot of the holy sites places where jesus walked you know just a lot of just kind of the um we went to dc first and uh got to see the museum of the bible really cool thing got to go there you need to go there if you go to dc it takes 72 hours if you read everything we had about four which there's a lot. I'd like to go back and see some stuff there. Then we flew to Tel Aviv and stayed there and went to, the, I mean, all kinds of places from the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea to Magdala, to, you know, Jerusalem to the Welling Wall. Just, uh, but the big day, there's a huge day because a lot of you know me and my wife have not had the easiest. You know, you know, I've caused a lot, I guess, a lot. I've caused a lot of friction in my life. You know? <laughs> uh, I've made things a lot harder than what they should have been. But, man, we renewed our vows in Cana Galilee. And Cana Galilee, if you guys don't know, Jesus, that's where he turned the water into the wine at the wedding. Damn. So we renewed our vows that day. But also, I got to baptize her in the Jordan River. And, uh, man, uh, just uh, just the renewal of our marriage. And there's a picture I posted. Some people have seen it. 
there's a picture I'm about to dunk Jessica, but she looks at me and she like trusts me. And it's like one of the most cool, like she's like, I love you, I trust you kind of pictures. Oh man, I'm getting kind of teary eyed thinking about it. But she, uh, you know, seen right before that. So I just feel like it's a whole new page for our marriage, just to, just to shift, you know, and those two things happened that day. And man, the trip was amazing and just got really validated by a lot of really cool people on the trip and even some business people that were on the trip that, uh, if you guys ever know Auntie Ann's pretzels, Auntie Ann was on the trip. What? Yeah. And uh, Dave Donaldson, he's a guy who just wrote a book. Uh, he, was in, he was at New Life a few weeks back and spoke about City Serve, you know, doing a lot of outreach stuff. And he, uh, he did Convoy of Hope before he was on the trip. You know, it's like a lot of people that is really neat to meet just to be around to see stuff they're doing and doing stuff for the kingdom you know, that are business people too. And I think that really just uh, helped Jessica too to see kind of the things we're doing and helping people and different things just uh, validated her as a businesswoman. Was yeah. that a, was that the highlight of the trip? Was the baptism? Uh, I think so, man. I, I for, for me, even thinking back, you know, I sit there and, uh, you know, I even used that picture in Man Alive, you know, and I did the, I was talking about rescuing the beauty, you know, how restoration in your marriage. You know, which was, was which was really cool. And I'll tell everybody on the podcast, you killed it. It was really good. Um, just how you stood up there and spoke. Do you want to tell them? So we've always talked about Man Alive on the podcast. So if people have kind of followed the Forge by Fire podcast, they know that um, we're big fans of Man Alive Expedition and what they do up there. And this year... Was it the first time on, on on the serve team? Was this the first time for you? No, it's the first time I've spoke on I spoke on the speaking team. They did a there was um I think this was my seventh or eighth time I've been and I've been the leader probably like five of those. Yeah. And uh I spoke, I did the rescue and the beauty session. If you guys don't know what that is, well first of all what Man Alive is, it's a John Eldridge has a boot camp in Colorado. In Arkansas, we do our own version of it. We use his material, but we have the speakers or guys from our boot camp and uh, they've been doing it. I think this was the 11th one. So we did that. And uh, this was the one I was speaking, Rescue and the Beauty. And like a lot of you guys know our story, me and Jessica, just some rough stuff. But even <laughs> the whole story about me, you know, just kind of how I was raised and a lot of mistakes and just being a wild young man. It's a nice way to put it. You know, sitting there and really not understanding what, be- what the beauty was about going to her for my validation um understand you know not to do that to go to god for my validation which i think not to cut you off but i think a lot of guys don't know about that right i didn't know about that until and it made a lot of sense to me when especially when you were talking and the last couple times i went to um man alive man that section right there especially because i know i think a lot of guys go to you know uh women to validation Oh yeah, and it's for, where for validation. It's a huge deal, and still, you know, I'll revert back to it sometimes. But what we're saying about that, we uh, when we go to God for our validation, and we don't go to our wife, we can go towards our wife's strength. When our wife is mad at us or not saying the nicest stuff to us, or you know, not coming towards us, you know, we're not trying to draw strength from her. We're taking strength to her to love her, mm. and you know, when we're not drawing from her you know, we can take strength to her, but if you're trying to draw from her, you can't take, you know. Yeah. I, and I think what happens is a lot of guys get it wrong, especially me before I knew, uh, me and my heyday, right, is that, man, I feel like a man, right? I feel like a man when I have a bunch of women or, you know, a woman that's very beautiful tells me that I'm good looking or that I'm a stud, right? That validates me in reality. Um, that's like seasonal, right? So when she's, she thinks you're awesome, then then you are awesome, right? And the next thing you know, 
you know, you might be going through a downfall. Maybe she's dumping you or you're having problems with it. Now you're going through the downfall. In reality, if you're getting validation through God, all that stays the same. And that's what was a big takeaway for me. The, the moment you give somebody the power to validate you, you give them the power to invalidate you. Mm. So that's the, you know, the, you know, that there's a struggle there. It could be a boss, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Anybody, your boss, your, you know, your dads, you know, all those things, whatever you're trying to get that validation from is like you give them, that's why I have to go through God. That way you can go towards those things with strength. And that's, you know, that's one of those things I still, you know, I still work on that when, with Jessica, but also we look back, you know, you guys know the story, Adam and Eve, you know, Eve took the fruit. You know, Adam should have knocked it out of her hand, but he, you know, no, you crazy woman. He should have, he should have knocked it out, you know. Yeah. Then, uh, but he didn't do that. He didn't say no. He was passive. You know, we have a lot of passive men in this world. So he, he was passive first. Then he chose the fruit over God and he chose Eve over God. And this is what happens to a lot of men worship their wives, their girlfriends, and they're choosing that person. They're idolizing that person over God. So, you know, the same thing. There's all these different ways you can look at it because there was actually a time when Eve fell out of relationship with God and Adam was still there. He had a choice to make. He sat there and he's like, no, I'm going to follow her. And, uh, you know, that's where, too, is like, you know, do I worship my wife or whoever I'm with? And you, you can get in, it's easy to get into, too, but where, but at the same time, when you do that, they're going to fail you because they're not God. Dang. And that's what you talked about in front of all these dudes. Hey, let me tell you something to the listeners is that when Rob, when he was done talking, not to get credit that, you know, I mean, obviously he was, you know, uh, prayed a lot before he s- stood up and spoke to these men, but I watched dudes walk up and, tell him just like, Hey, your testimony changed my life. Like, or dude pulled the wool away from my eyes. And everybody says that, that your story, any of our listeners, what your background was, you walked out of the fire. All of us have walked in the fire and walked out forged. Everyone has, right. We're just telling our story on a podcast, but, uh, Rob had the key that unlocked their lock, which was really cool. I watched a lot of guys just get unlocked and remove the chains, and, and I thought that was very cool. Um, huge thing about the thank you for saying that. It means a lot because you're a really good friend. Is the, there's the thing about when no matter what you've done in this world, when you openly can share it for the good of others, I think, you know, not for yourself, but the good of others, I think there's, there's power in that, you know, that, hey, there's no leverage over me. Because, um, you know, my truth is out. You know, you can't sit yeah. there and say, you know, I know you did this, but here's my truth. It's out, you know, but also. There's no more hostages. Yeah. And but then there's the vulnerability part, too. It's like, hey, this guy just like told the worst stuff in the world, possibly, <laughs> you know, the kid, you know, like completely laid it out there. It's like my stuff is not that bad. You know, like, I love how you gave like a like a disclaimer in the beginning. <laughs> you were like, hi, my name's Rob Heffley. This is going to get real bad. <laughs> you know? I thought it was very cool, man. I mean, it takes a lot of balls to stand up in front of people and just open your closet and say, hey, what's up? You know? And I think a lot of people can do that, right? A lot of, uh, a lot of men can open their closet to people that they trust and let people, you know, get it all out there. Because what happens, we have self-shame. Things that they've done or has been done to us. And uh, we hide them, and that actually shows in our behavior, you know. And I think it was really good what you did. What what, what, what else you been up to, dude? And that, you know, we had the Israel trip, then we had the Man Alive, then the, a couple weeks ago I went to school, spiritual school of direction. Um, there's a guy named Dude, Mula. you've been like in church, man. Like how many weeks? I'm like, you've been in church. 
that might sound bad. I was, you know, there's, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, if I was Catholic, I'd still be doing Hail Marys, but you know, yeah. um, there's a lot of confession. I'm still doing confession. You know, I'm not Catholic, but what I'm saying, you know, the spiritual school direction was there's a guy named Larry Crabb and he kind of, he actually taught, um, uh, some of John Elliger's, you know, some different ones, but my wife, uh, she got introduced to Larry Crabb several years ago because some friends of ours that do Cedar Rock Ministries, they uh, use a lot the red dot. We talk about, you know, when we say our, when we say our grid coordinates, you know, yeah, so, you know where, where you, where you, where you at, right? you know, and James Dobson used that, but also, you know, the curiosity by asking sort of questions and um, a lot of people don't do that anymore, but, you know, there's a depth, like, you know, a lot of times I ask you questions, it's not, I can see your symptom that you're upset or you're mad, but I want to know why you're, you know, the root of that, because, you know, I care about yeah. you, I'm a friend and yeah. the same thing. And even though I've got a master's in counseling, there's a lot more like spiritually stuff there. And just, uh, uh, really, you know, that was seven days, pretty intense at the Cove's Billy Graham Institute, which is really cool actually in Asheville, North Carolina. And I have a huge respect for Billy Graham, even though I'm not Southern Baptist, but the dude preached all over the world to hundreds of thousands of people and, um, just came from North, North Carolina, a little dude and just, uh, you know, did what God called him to do and uh, did it the right way without so, having any kind of bad stuff happen throughout his years. So what if um, if our listeners wanted to learn more about that, where you went, is there something that they could pick up, a book they can read, something they could Google? Um, there's a, I really like, there's a book called, there's actually has two books, it's called Soul Talk and Pressure's Off. And uh, Soul Talk just kind of talks about, hey, there's stuff underneath um, what's really going on with people. I think a lot of times we're really big about surface, you know, like, you know, somebody's like, how are you doing? You say, okay, you know, but it's not, you know, you know, what's really crazy. You say that I was talking to a couple guys recently that I think, and this is just maybe me generalizing things, but let's say 75% of the people that I come in contact with, I'll say, I'll look them in the face and I'll say, Hey bro, how's it going? And I get this canned answer and it looks like they're, they're looking straight through me. It's like, oh yeah, I'm good. And then I'm like, okay. And then the conversation's over. Very few guys, uh, maybe 25% of the people I make contact with where I go, how's it going? And then they actually show me a little bit of the closet or they actually give me a true answer. Like one of our buddies, he's a common friend. I'm not going to put his name out there, but he's going through some stuff. I said, how's it going? He goes, not good. And I'm like, dude, I'm here for you, man. Bleed on me. You know? And I think what happens is men think it's weak to share something. But in reality, you know, I just finished a book called Tribe. Oh, dude, what a phenomenal book, man. But it talks about, you know, we just can't do things alone. And I'm a big fan of that. And so I just, I said, dude, share something with me. And what's cool is how the conversation went. He opened up his mouth and said, hey, man, it's not good. I was able to help him. If he would have said, I'm fine and walked away, there would have been no help, right? So it's just, uh, man, I, I think that we need to be more open, right? We, be, and we need to be more real with people that we trust, you know, and say, hey, man, instead of how you doing, man, I'm having a crappy day or fake it till you make it, right? Always, you know, always put on a, uh, always try to th- look at the positive perspective, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's where I think even with trauma, you see, you know, people always talk about, you know, freeze. And also, you know, sit there, you know, fight, flight, and there's a freeze. But there's also another one they call it a, a peas. 
You act like everything's good. Oh, I've never heard that. You appease everybody, and then one day you blow up and kill somebody, or blow up, you know, do something crazy, and you're like, "Hey, this guy, we thought he was fine." Is that that your? Is that's the psychologist coming out right there? I don't know what it is. You know, that's that's that education. (laughs) Some education, dude. I do like that. I've never heard that before. You know, we appease people and act like everything's Mm. fine. You see that with a lot with men too. They're really good guys that they never. They don't have. I feel like a lot of guys that don't have some a friend to share stuff with like hey my wife is acting crazy my kids are crazy you know that they act like they carry it until one day they just can't there's nobody to sit there to listen to them that thinks understand what they're going through and they just collapse under the pressure yeah dang so one more time it was appease fight but, you know fight, fight yeah. freeze or appease because yeah. in the movies they always show dudes you know fighting you know then they see the guys you know that you know the flight they run off you know the freeze people are I can't move you know the appease is the, the yeah. you know Another, wow. another way to put it. That's really good. What else you been up to, dude? Um, then, a crazy thing, I went to spiritual school direction for seven days. Flew to Denver, stayed there for a day, got a haircut, got a massage, ate a good meal, stayed at, walked to the Patagonia store to buy me a jacket so I wouldn't freeze to death. Then uh, went, got on a bus and went to Buena Vista to Becoming Good Soil. It's part of John Eldridge's uh, Ransom Heart Ministries, but Morgan Snodder leads it. And uh, it's one of things, really cool thing to get into because only 60 guys, I think 60 plus got accepted. And Ryan actually wrote me a recommendation. I was like, if you if you want to put dudes up on the mountain that like goats, then Rob's your man. <laughs> <laughs> so like crazy thing, I didn't apply to the very last day because I didn't want to share in my rejection with anybody because you had to have your wife apply. I mean, your wife gave your reference and you end up three other references, I think. And the last day you could do it, I started the application, which it was huge. I'm proud of you, man. That was a big jump. Yeah. And the thing, I applied for the boot camp before and didn't get in. So uh, 450 people is like, how can I get in, you know, with this small thing? But, you know, God's timing in that. And um, just an amazing trip there and met some really powerful guys. But one of the things they brought in, we call them sages, guys like, you know, 50 to, you know, to however old, old guys that have life experience that like us. I think there was 48 guys came in to hang out with us 60 and kind of say, wow, this is what we did. This is where we're at. This is what God did in our life. And, you know, don't screw it up. Don't try to grow your, you know, all these things, but you know, like really just to love on us and father us. That's like the best way to put it. What do you think would be a number one takeaway from that for our listeners? Like what was the biggest thing that you could share with them and make an impact? What do you think? Um, There was a thing we could not tell what we did for a living there. Which is, it's hard for me to explain that to anybody. And what we had to do was say we were chimney sweepers. Or chimney sweepers, we talk about our jobs. But uh, there's a quote that goes with that. You know, some of you guys know who Dallas Willard was. It says, the most important thing about a man is not what he does. It is who he becomes. Boom. And I think as men, we put so much value about, you know, my name is Ron Stevens. You know, I'm a special agent. You know, I own, I own, I sit there, I own a range, you know, Ron Ron Stevens, Stone Cold Killer, you know, yeah. all those things about, you know, but because those are, about? T- those are, ti- those are titles. I think what happens is uh, I'm going to be a vulnerable and, and tell you, I think I do that sometimes. I'll come up to somebody and I'll shake their hand and I haven't, I don't know them very long. So what I'll do is I'll judge them off a title. I'll say, Hey, how's it going? My name's Ryan Stevens. Uh, what's up? Oh, he'll tell me his name and I'll say, Oh, what do you do for a living? Why do I ask that question? Because I want to put them in a box, probably. And that's horrible. I shouldn't be doing that, right? I need to get to know somebody for who they are, not really what what they do. I mean, that's where, too, we, we talk about this, too, is like, you know, posing. It's what we, I mean, we posture in our poses the first time we met. You know, it's like, 
we bow up, you know, cross our arms, you know, what do you do? Yeah. You know, sit there and like, actually I got on the plane to come home and the guy was like what do you do I was like I'm a dad I'm a husband I'm a dad <laughs> he's sitting there we do that in jujitsu you yeah. know that a lot of jujitsu players they'll say uh, what camp are you out of which the more the longer that I'm in jujitsu I can respect trainers and I can respect the philosophy that's put down and the style that's taught out and, and caught by their students but at the end of the day Hoist Gracie doesn't float over to my fight and fight for me. At the end of the day, it's me, right? So when we ask somebody those terms, hey, what camp are you at? What does it matter? How do you know I didn't get all my techniques off YouTube? You know what I mean? Uh, it just, it's funny to see that. You know, a guy who, you know, is, a, you know, kind of a, a tech guy and he's watched all these YouTube videos and practiced with his buddies in his basement. And then a guy who pays $150 a month and trains with the world champion. Dude, when the fight starts, the bottom line is those two individuals will be judged for the talent that they have. But yet in the community, just like what we're talking about, uh, we judge people based on, you know, what camp they come from, what job they have. We want to put somebody in a box instead of judging for who they are. And it was kind of a good thing for me because I've been struggling anyway about people asking what we do. And I'm like... Um, I'm a garbage man. I mean, I, I mean, I don't really know um, even how to explain it. But uh, one thing is too, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm son of God. You know, sit there, beloved son and father, husband, and uh, work with a few people every once in a while. But you know, so that doesn't make me any better. I'm a good dude, <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. But uh, you know, that become good soul. That's you know the big thing there, man. So, man, tell me about you. Uh, recently got a brown belt, which is man. a huge deal. I'm 13 years into this mix and I still suck. You know, it's just crazy. Um, man, I started jujitsu back in the day. I remember, I think I told this story on a podcast prior, you know, one of our older podcasts, just when I walked into a gym and a 16 year old dude beat me up and this was 2002. And now, I mean, it's 2019. I'm getting a brown belt. And uh, yes, it's been a long time. Uh, that's not normal time I guess maybe for a brown belt but I jumped around deployed two times to Iraq I uh, did some executive protection uh, and so I just haven't had time to stay in the gym but over the last I don't know six seven years I've been just turning and burning with jiu-jitsu and uh, man grace of God man I, I, I'm training under a good camp and I've, I've been with uh, Danny Dream out of um, Little Rock he's actually out of Sherwood but Little Rock and he's Man, he's a phenomenal coach, and uh, yeah, man, I got uh, I got my brown belt, and uh, I'm still turning and burning. One of the philosophies that I'm trying to push onto people is, um, man, I, I get to give. Every course I go to, every new technique, I get it and I give. And so the uh, more I do jujitsu, man, the more, more I'm trying to help other people out. But yeah, that was a big win for me. What about, you know, Washington? I know that broadcast you did with the active shooter stuff. Tell me about a little bit about that. Yeah, man. Um, that was a big win for me. And I'm not going to lie. I was really scared. I mean, I'm not, I don't have a problem. I teach for a living. And um, so, and I coach. But yeah, they flew me. So I, I, we get this word that there's going to be a safety stand down for the government. And there's going to be a televised, uh, I'm going to be televised in front of a podium teaching about active shooter. And I'm like, dude, got this. I know active shooter. I love data. I'm a geek. I show up to Washington, D.C., and they have a broad, like a, uh, 
like a crew, man, that does makeup and like all this stuff, dude. Like, like you see on the news, you know what they like. Ron so Burgundy. What did they put on your bald head? Did they like slick it up? D shine. They put D. See why are you laughing? That's hilarious. Yeah, they put D shine like on my uh, uh, anti shine on my forehead, and uh, so dude, I had to wear a suit, and I get there, and they're like, "Oh, where's your script?" I'm like, "What do you mean script? Like, I'm gonna be doing this off of PowerPoint, aren't I?" And they're like, "No, this is a live broadcast. You're gonna be sitting between two doctors." I'm like, holy crap, dude, I'm a jarhead. Like, I might eat the silver crayons. I'm not the smartest dude on staff. And they were like, yeah, you, this is going to be televised to 80,000 people. But, you know, that's a lie to you right there. And I know I joke about being a crayon eater, but, man, I really believe you, you've worked to where you've got to. You know, there's things you've done to get there. You've worked really hard. But also, you know, I mean, God put you there for a reason. And, oh, you know. hands down. Well, and I appreciate that, man. So what happens is I ended up writing my own script. Uh, that went on a teleprompter and dude, they said that that doesn't happen. People who are somebodies, they have people who write their scripts. Uh, I wrote my own script in like, I don't know, 45 minutes. And, uh, we came, we did a dry run and, and the lady came out and said, dude, you look really good on camera. You sounded confident. You read the material. She said, come back tomorrow and this is going to be televised live. And I uh, came back, man, I was so scared, dude. Like I could feel the pulse in my neck. And the guy goes, we're going live in three, two, one. And I was just like, Ugh. and dude, but I just, I mean, I know the material. I know a couple things that I know and I feel comfortable knowing. I know jujitsu. I know like uh, CQB tactics or active threat. I used to teach our tactical firearms program. I know that stuff, right? And so I just, I spoke I spoke the truth, things that, that people needed to hear and, and could help people get safe. And so, man, we had really good reviews. It went out and it was observed by 80,000 employees. Um, I was teaching in uh, uh, New York and a guy walked up to me and was like, hey, man, I watched your active shooter uh, presentation, man, good stuff. And so it was a big win for me to actually uh, uh, broadcast something on that spectrum for the very first time so what were you doing in new york too you doing new york? yeah right after that i came back i flew into new york and um um for the government they wanted me to film instructional videos for police officers for like ground control or like defensive tactics techniques so essentially we can record these in a green room you ever been in a green room yep have you really? Yeah. What'd you do in a green room? In places. Is this, can you say it on? Can you say it on the podcast? <laughs> hey, hey, there's a former life <laughs> that I'm talking about. No, Plexus has one, and uh, my good buddy, you know Heath. Yeah, he's uh, the man. He's made multiple green rooms. Like he, he was filming all of his little stuff. Dude, he would sit there have green sheets, different things. You know, I mean, he's he can improvise. And also, I did one. Uh, did some Plexus videos. I did some Hammer videos. I was doing a Plexus our thing three years ago yeah I was dancing in front of one were you really oh yeah dude I had hammer pants on um, why haven't I seen this video you've been hiding it yes uh, <laughs> yeah. it'll probably surface pretty good because I think you know, <laughs> you know Facebook uh, time warp's coming up uh, it'll come pretty close to convention usually dude I gotta see this video <laughs> some fun stuff yeah so dude we recorded um, uh, we went into a green room first time I've ever had to do that and uh, so there were some really good experiences over these last months we've been on a hiatus you know, and um, yeah, man, we filmed some awesome stuff, uh, ended up doing, like I said, ground control, subject control, jujitsu based stuff and recorded it for police officers. 
and they're going to take those videos and they're going to serve them out to, um, you know, federal police officers across the nation. And then those trainers can watch those videos, pull from the data, pull from the video, and then replicate it in their mat rooms across the nation. So, man, big, huge win. Are they like titled Thanos Volume 1, Thanos <laughs> Volume 2? You know what a guy said? Check this out, dude. He said, if Thanos, and what's the dude from Die Hard? Oh, you said that. Yeah. Yeah. If Thanos and Bruce Willis had a love child, <laughs> Ryan Stevens would be it. I'm the fatter version. <laughs> if you guys ever see Ryan, he looks like Thanos. He's like he smiles a lot more. He's kind of more like the happy Bruce Willis on Die Hard, <laughs> no hair. But uh, you know that part too is what Iran reminds me of. But uh, dude, he's, he's scarier than Thanos too, though. Come on, man. Um, so, dude, what else I've been up to is uh, I went to San Antonio. Um, Man, you ever been to the Alamo? It's really small compared to what you think in your head, isn't it? Yeah, I thought like the Alamo, like the last stand. Dude, it was actually pretty small. And so I got to I got to go to San Antonio and I taught a situational awareness. You know what's really funny? Rob, have you ever been, uh, I don't want to say pushed because that's not, maybe it's a pathway that people put you on even though it's not your favorite subject. Like Rob is this guy. You know, like maybe your business that you have now, like provision storage, right? Like that's what you do, but maybe that's not what is your passion. Yeah, or, you're not going to label me. With but you see what I'm saying? But what's really crazy is everybody says, oh, Ryan's the situational awareness guy. Now I care about that. I'm super passionate about that, but I wouldn't say that that's something that I'm just like, you know, if I had to be an expert or something. I mean, I know all of it. I know the data. I care about it. But, but what I find is I've been flying all over the United States and people are like, oh, we need this guy. This is the guy. And I'm like, there's probably other dudes out there that are better than me at this. No, you need to say, I'm the guy because I'm going to retire in five years. I'll charge you about $10,000 to come see you for a day. Come on, dude. If there's somebody out there that wants to hire me for $10,000 a day, hit me up via email, bro. I'm flying out. <laughs> know your worth. But hey, if the, if the price is right, the flight's tonight. <laughs> Exactly. But that's so, what, you know, that part too is like something you're good at too. I, I know you, there's some, I know you guys thinking Ryan, whatever, but he's, he's really humble. And, uh, you know, I know Ryan to me, like is fighting cause he's beat me up several times and I've watched him beat other guys up and uh, he shoots a pistol. Like it kind of reminds me, you guys, I remember that is an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie come back a uh, last action hero. Cause in the movie, last action hero, Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he's in the movies, he could hit anything. But when he's in real life, he could hit the broad side of the barn. <laughs> So that's, that's like me in real life, but you know, in the movies, Ron's like that guy that you're like lethal weapon. Um, when you know, Mel Gibson shooting like 60 yards, hitting people. I'm like, that's not realistic. Then we go to the range and Ron's like shooting off handed upside down with a pistol. And he has a high point shooting at 65 yards. It rattles, you know, I'm like, I can't even shoot, you know, rifle iron sights, you know, 65 yards hit when you're hitting. I'm like, man, you're making me look bad, but, um, you know, you're very humble about those things. And which is kind of neat, you know, that you, I mean, we talked about the spectrum of violence, but you understand you're good at many things. And, um, even like this last week, becoming good soil, he talked about not being a specialist, but being a generalist Bro. in everything, you know, being general, knowing how to be the plumber, to be the stuff, you know, how to change your tire, even though, you know, know how to skin a buck deer, you know, sounds like, you know, country boy can't survive, but being able to do it all, yes. you know, and sometimes you're not going to be an expert at it, but being able to learn how to do it, you know, those things, and I really kind of resonate because I can do a lot of stuff. I'm kind of, I can do a lot of stuff, so I can kind of find a fake my way through it, 
you know? Yeah. And, but I'm not really a specialist. I've never been good at one thing. I don't think. Yeah. I think what you said is very important is I had a, you know, I told our listeners, if they go back, they can listen to a podcast where I talk about Renee Barraza and he told me about being a warrior because I think when, when that happened, it ricocheted me on this path of being a warrior and it's not cliche. I'm not trying to say that you've got to be a warrior and be a tough guy. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is to obtain the knowledge of a warrior. The fight's going to take you in an unpredictable pattern and you have to be prepared no matter where the fight takes you. And it's really funny is, is we, I was on the mat and I was rolling and I guess I wasn't taking jujitsu as serious as some other people take jujitsu. And the guy was, he was getting a little bit irritated with me. I was letting lower belts tap me out. Right. So like, just giving out taps, you know, because uh, I want to help other people. And he was like, hey, man, you know, you're letting other people, you're disgracing the brown belt. And I said, uh, not really. I'm actually trying to inspire these people so they stick around. I said, you don't always have to prove how tough you are. But in his mind, this was his world. In my mind, that's only one part-time place that I train. I have to be just as good at jujitsu as I have to be on the range, as I have to be on situational awareness, as I have to be with a bolt gun. Like, you have to... So, I mean, it's not that serious, that, right? And so, like you said, I don't want to be a specialist at jujitsu. And I find people try to put me in that box all the time. But in reality, you got to try to train each and every one. And you know what's cool about that, Rob, is it, it is it makes you humble. Being a generalist makes you humble. The reason why is you're never going to be perfect at all of it. I don't want to be perfect. I want to be proficient at all of it, not perfect. Yeah, and that's where I think you just, that part of it too. There's a there's a thing about learning about yourself. You know, in jiu-jitsu, if, if, if you sit there and tap everybody out, you're never going to flow and they don't learn, you know, like, no, like, they're like, I don't want to roll with this guy. Cause he's like about to break my arm, you know, yeah, three you seconds. Be, you become and, an a-hole. So what happens if you start an a-hole, then you become my, my black belt says, if you start as an a-hole, then you become a technical a-hole. Yeah. You know, but well, I think about too, is like when you have, when you're strong in something, when you have great strength, when you have the power to do that, but don't do it, that shows maturity. Mm. You have the power to hurt somebody, to have the power, you know, sit there and uh, do that. And like, there's even, I know a quote of Dallas Wood earlier, but there's another quote about, you know, somebody that could lit him up. And they're like, why do you not say anything back? And he's like, he's like, I'm really practicing the spiritual discipline of not getting the last word. Wow. Even though he knew he could sit there and light them up, you know, sit there and set them straight. And, but I was like, how many times in my life and I've not had, you know, had the restraint of holding back, you know, different times, you know, fighting words, whatever we do. Man, you just said something so powerful. That's why I like kicking it with you a lot. And I, I'll be honest, even to, you know, while our listeners are listening is, man, being able to kick it with you is you say things that sometimes cause me to reflect. That is exactly why I think I do what I do on the mat is to, to, to help others just show maturity and it inspires versus tear them down, right? You know, if you can use force and you don't have to, you could use another option. That's what we're trying to, I'm trying to teach police officers this, is that you don't always have to beat somebody up to prove that you're tough. At the end of the day, the police officer is still going to get the right word. He's gonna, I mean, he's still going to win at the end. At the end of the day, you commit a crime. You commit a felony in the presence of a police officer. At the end of the day, you will go to jail. Now, in the middle, you don't have to. Just think about if I yell as loud as I can, maybe this is the same with your wife, right? I yell as loud as I can. There's nowhere else to go. 
right? Versus if I can restrain myself and maintain that even kill, right? That, that even line, I still have, I can still modulate. I can still go up and down. Same thing with force. Like one of our buddies we know, you know, um, you know, drinking a little bit and, uh, I could have busted him up, but instead, you know, uh, dude, nice and control. And he thanked me afterwards for showing, showing restraint. You know, what kind of jerk would I have been if I would have clicked off Jason and hurt him? You know, and I don't think I could have lived with that either. Yeah. But there's so many people that do, they don't understand power. And that's where, you know, even like the last week we're talking about how some men uh, get their kingdoms too soon, get power too soon, they abuse it. And uh, in different ways, you know, they even get, you know, it's their, to have power is not to abuse it. You know, it's, it's, it's to, I think, control it. Is that and that's maturity, huh? It just comes think, with time and experience. Yeah, because yeah, you, you you see those old men that have old men strength that could put you down. <laughs> Bro, let me tell you something. You you got to stay humble. I don't know if I talked about it on the last podcast. I went to New York, um, actually on that trip, and I got to train with um, at Half Gracie's uh, camp, and I got to roll with uh, his name's Gordo, and um, I also went to Marce- uh, Marcel Garcia's place, which is like he's one of the pound for pound. Uh, best jiu-jitsu players right now on the planet yeah humble guy dude walks around can murder anybody in the gym and he has this huge smile on his face almost throws you off like this little guy smiles he's hugging people he'll take pictures with you and on the mat he just murking everybody just souls are just leaking out of geese you know what i mean did you get your picture before or after yeah i got it uh i think it was after but why why i say this rob is that um yeah, I might feel good. I might feel tough, right? But I go to a different place and somebody's got my ticket and they punch my ticket. And it just shows me you have to be humble. I'm I'm that guy to somebody else. And that guy in New York was to me, right? So there's these milestones where you're never at the top of the mountain. There's always somebody who's going to kick you in the nuts, right? So you have to stay humble. Yeah, humility's hard learned. <laughs> it's it's, hard. I mean, I'm still learning it every day. Um, I get humble. You said uh, humility's hard learned. That is a fact, my friend. So tell me about, you know, you got Chicago. Uh, yeah, I'm flying to Chicago soon to go teach, and then Tara and I are going to be going to Guatemala soon. I'm really excited. We got two trips that we actually were intentional this year, said, babe, let's go do something together. So we're going to go to Guatemala um, she's been just killing Lime Life, which is uh, her little makeup thing that she's been doing. And uh, so that Guatemala trip's kind of involved with that. And then we're going to be so going. So are you going to go and put Limelight on and be like a model there? Dude, I ain't playing around. Yo, I told you, hey, price is right, the flight's tonight. <laughs> uh, I'm giving Ryan a hard time, but, yeah. we're, but we're both, our wives are both involved in MLMs. I am too. But, hey, uh, boss ladies. But, but hey, man, I've been to the Bahamas, Hawaii for... Th- It'll be the fifth time this year, so, you know. Come on, man. It's awesome. And tell me about, you know, man, Daniel Shaw. I was gone to uh, Becoming Good Soul, so I had to miss this, but I was really sad. But tell me a little bit about, tell me one good thing you learned from Daniel Shaw that's, you know. Well, well, let me say this first. I want to shout out Daniel Shaw from Shaw Strategies. All of our listeners, man, you need to go to his website. Man, reach out to him. Follow him on Facebook. The guy is salt of the earth. Uh, in a world, the firearms industry, martial arts industry has so much ego leaking out of it. Uh, Daniel Shaw is not that guy. He is a good dude, man. He, uh, man, he's a great father. I watched him interact with his son and he is a good dude. And, and, and what's more importantly than that, I mean, being a great guy is awesome, but 
watching him teach the carbine course blew my mind, especially when it comes to malfunctions. He's like the, he's like the malfa- malfunction guru, um, like Mr. Miyagi of, uh, of carbines. And um, so anyways, yeah, we hosted him. He's a good dude. I was in the Marine Corps with him back at a place called Tico. And uh, we were kind of buddies back then. Uh, he ran the firearm section. I ran the physical section, the fighting section. And I said, hey, dude, I own a range, man. Why don't you come down here? We'll host your course. Uh, I'll, I'll tell the local community about you. And guess what? Dude, sold out. Sold out the handgun. Sold out the carbine course. And, uh, man, so the biggest thing that I learned from Shaw is everything you do when it comes to gunfighting has an expiration date on it. So you can't go get a cert and all of a sudden now you're ready to stop somebody from robbing you a gunpoint at a gas station. Everything has an expiration date. He ran me through some things where I felt um, uncomfortable, especially when it came to uh, clearing malfunctions behind barricade or working with a team member and trusting that person to be able to not flag me while we're moving around under stress. And so... Yeah, I challenge you guys to look out. We're going to be posting some stuff on s7tactical.com and on our Facebook. We're going to be posting some pictures, and uh, we're probably going to host him back out here in Arkansas, and I hope we fill the class again. Man, he is a unique instructor, and uh, man, that was an awesome, awesome time. I wish you could have been there, bro. Yeah, One of the things, I know Ryan just kind of skipped over this. Uh, Ryan is like the king of uncomfortable. If you ever trained with him in jits or stand-up or – um, pistol or anything like you know how to make people uncomfortable in a good way to learn you know where there's a part like hey and uh say he made you uncomfortable like i wish i could have seen it you know because you think about these odd things and you know and i think too like a lot of times we don't think about malfunction i mean i do because i feel like when i got one ar that feel like it malfunctions every time no matter how clean and what mag you use and what ammo you use i feel like i want to throw it sometimes and but i was like that part too is like Hey, you don't have time to sit there and well, no, you know, sit there. What are you going to do? And, you know, and clear, like, you know, clear and go, like you know, yeah, and, and, uh, and it's the expiration date. Like the some of the things that he talked about, I knew, but I got out there to do it, and I realized that yo, that milk was expired, and I had to go, I had to go renew it. And so, one of the things I challenge our listeners to do, if it's jujitsu or if it's you know my black belt says all the time, you get your black belt, you better maintain your black belt, or it's not a black belt, right? So that maintaining part is what we don't do as men. You know, a lot of guys will go get their concealed carry and then carry it in their truck, and then, hey, bro, are you ready for a gunfight? Oh yeah, guy comes in my house, I'm smoke checking him, and I say, when's the last time you've been to the range or been put under pressure? And they're uh, well, I haven't. Well, then, bro, you're not prepared. That's like saying that you wouldn't buy a football and you expect to walk in and win the Super Bowl. No, you need to put in work. And, uh, and, and so what's cool about Shaw, too, in his class, uh, I even talk about on the mat, it's called caught and taught, right? So I can teach things and you can understand them intellectually, but you have to catch it. And the yeah. only way to catch it is in the training. It's like teaching a swimmer. You know what I mean? I can teach you how to swim on this desk all day, yeah. right? Hey, this is this, this is how you do it. Not only time you're going to do it, now I kick you in the water. <laughs> now it's a different story. Yeah, and so, I mean, we really talk about a lot of that, you know, it's got immersion training, you just throw yourself in there. But, you know, more is caught than taught. You know, I'm really, I'm a big believer on that, just, you know, doing it. Um, sit there, there's a lot of stuff like that. You have to be around it, but immersion is such a big deal. 
Dude, I think I think our next podcast, man, I think we should really jump into that taught part about, you know, are we are we living are we a good topic that I think we can hop on would be are are we living out what we talk about? Because I bet you there's listeners that listen to this podcast be like these dudes just jump on and give advice. You know, are we actually living or are we not living it? And I think there's things that I try to live, you know, but I'm dude, I'm I'm an idiot sometimes. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm just like that's definitely we're going to talk about that a little bit more in our next episode, just because we get to. I mean, we both get to experience a lot of really neat things. But I think about how are we at taking those to apply in our life? Are we changing that? Are we using that? You know, are, you know, are we, are we sitting there? Are we giving and are we not living it? And uh, I even talked to my pastor today about it at lunch. I was like, you know, about you can sit there and tell people to do it, but if you're not modeling it. They're not going to listen. Mm. Like the people around you are going to know that, you know, you're a fraud. So, I mean, there's things we definitely, we all would drop the ball on, but I was like, you know, are you really living it? Man, uh, thanks for like catching up. You know, I'm, I'm excited that we, you know, we got to hang out and um, today it's always fun. And, uh, dude, I want, I want to thank our listeners, man. I'm telling you, I don't do this at all for fame. We're definitely not doing it for money. Um, I like that the listeners tell me that they got value right? They spend 30 minutes to an hour with us listening in their car or at home. And, and guys email me and say, bro, you changed my life. Or, Hey, listen to the blame game. And I am blaming everybody, but me. Uh, I like that you guys are authentic. One guy said, you guys are like Joe Rogan blended with, uh, Jocko blended with, you know, and he named off like three podcasts. I said, man, I humbly appreciate that. Minus the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the whole reason we're doing this, uh, Hefley is just to give back, right? Yeah. Some people aren't experiencing what we get to experience because of our life. And so we get to share that. And then also, um, you know, telling people our failures. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I mean, and me and Ron have a, we have a deep friendship that, and we were having these conversations. One reason too, I felt like other people needed to hear them because man, I feel like sometimes people see our lives are highlight reels of how you guys get to do this, go there, do these things. And man, but we are just, you know, failure, then success, success, failure, sec, you know, all those things just lined up and just, uh, that sounds like my week. Yeah. It's just that, you know, but, those things, man, are just normal guys that, uh, man, just trying to get through life to be, I mean, my goal is to be a good dad and a good husband, you know, a good friend. That's exactly right. But thank you guys so much. You guys have a great week and, uh, we'll have another episode soon, hopefully about, you know, just kind of about living your life and, uh, take us out, Ryan. All right. Forged by fire. Out. <laughs>